We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You're listening to the Bear Report Podcast with Zach Pearson and Aaron Lemming, providing extensive coverage of the Chicago Bears for the Bear Report website. The podcast is powered by Overtime Media. Now, here's Zach and Aaron. Welcome in, Bears fans, to another edition of the Bear Report podcast. The Chicago Bears are 3-0, and the Cardiac Bears did it again. Another come-from-behind win this past week here in Atlanta. They are now 3-0 on the season, and who would have thought it? I'm one of your hosts, Zach Pearson. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Aaron Lemming. And Aaron, I got to say this. The Bears are 3-0. You just watched the White Sox take game one of the uh, Wild Card Series. The Cubs are in the playoffs. And the Chicago Bulls have a brand-new head coach, which looks like a great hire. Really good time to be a Chicago sports fan right now. It is, but man, I don't know if I felt this emotionally unstable in a while, man. I was like that the the Bears game on Sunday, like, you know, it kind of got to the point, I'm sure you're the same way, where it was like they they got down sixteen points and things didn't look like they're going that way, you know, going the right way. I'm like, okay, well they're two and one, they got a lot of stuff to figure out, but it could be worse, you know. And then obviously they came back and then the adrenaline gets going and then, you know, the White Sox bombed last week, man. I'm sitting there thinking it's like this is the first time you've been in the playoffs in twelve years and this is how you're gonna finish the season. And I get all amped up for the game today and then obviously they won. So it's man, it's been an emotional roller coaster. But like you said, it's it's awesome. Uh, you know, for to be a Chicago sports fan right now, like you pointed out, I mean, I'm not a basketball fan, um, but I do it's weird. I'm not a basketball fan, but if I do pay attention to basketball, it's usually, you know, the Bulls just because I don't know. I mean, it's, it's kind of the same thing that I guess maybe that's why I don't really, I don't buy into the whole Cubs Sox rivalry because a lot of Bears fans are also Bulls fans and a lot of Bears fans are also Cubs fans and White Sox fans. Like it's just one of those things I don't, and maybe it's because I'm not local and I, you know, I don't live there and I, I didn't grow up dealing with it all, but I just don't, you know, it's like, I, I don't want to be unhappy as a Bears fan. I don't want to be unhappy as a White Sox fan. And, you know, outside of Detroit and maybe Green Bay, it's like, I don't really want to see other people unhappy about the team. So it's it's definitely a good week to be a Chicago sports fan. Hopefully uh, the Cubs will, will, will take care of business against the Marlins. And obviously this is a football podcast. Hopefully the Bears can continue their role. It hasn't been pretty. I mean, they're 3-0. and It hasn't been pretty. I mean, every single game has been decided by four points, but – and they've all been comebacks except for that one against the Giants in week two. But, man, it's, they're, they're still 3-0. I mean, they're, they're, you cannot take that away from them, especially in a situation where you're looking at it. And there's seven playoff teams this year. There's three wild card spots. It's an extra wild card spot when you look at uh, just the overall history going back to, I think, 1990. I mean, the Bears have close to an 80% shot of making the playoffs right now just because they started off 3-0. But, obviously, a lot of stuff to clean up. Yeah, I was with you, man. I actually tweeted out, uh, we're on to Indy when the Bears pretty much fell behind. Uh, I think the Falcons scored a touchdown their first possession of the second half. I'm like, yeah, I think this game's over. And silly me because, man, they did it again. They came back again. And I'm glad you brought up that point. Uh, it, okay, it, it is early to talk playoffs. Um, I, I will admit that. But it's like, not only do the Bears have three wins or 3-0, and they're one of three NFC teams to be 3-0. and how, and the other thing is, is they have all their wins against the NFC so far. So when it comes down to the tiebreakers, if they're tied with, you know, a team that they haven't played on their schedule um, in terms of a wild card spot, you know, they're off to a good start in that phase. And they also are 1-0 in the NFC North. The schedule gets a little tougher 
Um, and I think beginning this week, it's going to get even tougher because I don't think the Colts are a team that we can look over and be like, oh, man, that's, that's going to be an automatic win or the Bears are even favored. And I think they're going to be a tougher team than we thought when the schedule first came out. But the chance to get to 4-0 um, this season is huge for this team. And obviously, you know, we're going to get into all this. We're going to get into the recap. We're going to have a special guest on to break down the Colts um, from someone that covers the team. But they're going to be doing it with Nick Foles under quarterback – or under setter, I'm sorry, as quarterback because the Bears made that move. They, they made the move in that game against the Falcons. It paid off. Um, Matt Nagy kind of, you know, took that gamble to roll the dice because, you know, that could have gone a couple different ways. And, and I'm glad it went the way that it benefited the Bears where they won because if, if Foles would have came in and kind of stunk and the Bears would have lost, I don't think necessarily he would have been the starter in week four. I think there would have been a little bit more of a conversation. Um, he, he probably would have eventually been the starter. But, man, that would have just been worst-case scenario. Foles comes in and he stinks against a, a really bad um, pass defense. But that didn't happen. That worked out in Matt Nagy's favor. He gambled. He rolled the dice there, and it paid off. We're going to get into all that on this episode of the Bear Report Podcast. Before we hit that, let's do our first break of the show. We'll be right back after this. Every day can bring changes, challenges, and opportunities that can also change your personal or business financial goals and priorities. As a true partner, Sandy Spring Bank can make it all a bit easier. Someone who really listens, understands, and then creates solutions in hard times and good times. We'll always strive to be your advocate today and every day. That's real banking for real life and real business. Visit sandyspringbank.com slash real member FDIC. Welcome back in here to the Bear Report podcast. Aaron, let's get right into it, man. The biggest storyline, obviously. Nick Foles, he is now the starting quarterback for the Chicago Bears moving forward after he led a comeback in the second half through three touchdowns, technically through four touchdowns. I don't know what the hell the ref saw on that Allen Robinson play in the end zone. So let's say he threw four touchdowns and zero interceptions. Probably should have had a fifth touchdown too as Anthony Miller dropped a, um, a fourth down pass in the end zone. But we've arrived, man. It's Nick Foles' time in Chicago. That it is. And I think it's important to be completely fair. I think it is important to acknowledge that obviously that I, maybe I wasn't in quite the same boat with Robinson. I, I thought that they didn't have enough to overturn it. Um, I thought it was the wrong call on the field just because I don't think Allen Robinson really ever established control of the ball, man. And, and I get it. You know, it's, I don't mean it's when I criticize the bears and when i when i say things on twitter both good and bad it's not singling out a player and as i'm sure some people on twitter know you know i i tweeted out basically that this is the second time in two weeks that alan robinson has had a ball ripped from his hands and it's just an observation that's just what it is and it's just something that doesn't happen alan robinson and he admitted it himself and he re- responded back to one of my well, actually responded back twice, deleted one, not the point, but it's, it's not that I'm picking on Robinson. I love Robinson. I've said multiple times that Allen Robinson is the bears best offensive player. He still is the bears best offensive player. He showed that again on Sunday, but it's a tough situation. But again, to be completely fair to Nick Foles and Trubisky within this game, yes, that one probably should have stood on the field, even though I didn't think it was the right call to begin with, but I thought it should have stood just because of the evidence within the replay. Um, and obviously Anthony Miller's got to make the catch. I mean, there's just, it, it seems like every week we're talking about Anthony Miller not making a catch when he needs to make a catch. And again, this is another touchdown. Obviously he came back and, you know, got the game winning touchdown, but I think it's also fair to acknowledge that that throw in the triple covers to Jimmy Graham, that somehow Jimmy Graham caught, that was one of the luckiest things that I've seen in quite a while from anything Bears related, where normally that is picked probably nine out of 10 times, probably 9.9 out of 10 times. I think the only reason it wasn't picked was because one of the defensive backs cut the other defensive back off at the legs as he was up in the air. But either way, Nick Foles came in. He handled business. I know a lot of people are going to sit here and say, okay, well, Trubisky did the same thing in week one. But they did it in different ways. And I think that's very, very, very important to understand. Because, again, I've, I mean, we both have been Trubisky guys. You were a North Carolina fan. You watched Trubisky. Like, we both loved the draft pick. I, I loved Trubisky. I thought he was the number one quarterback coming out of the draft. Obviously, I was wrong. Obviously, the Bears were wrong. Here's the thing, though. It's still a tough situation because you know how good of a guy Trubisky is. You know how good of a teammate he is. You know how hard he works. There, none of this has ever been a question. And we've talked about this multiple, multiple times. None of this has ever been a question. 
the biggest question has always been consistency and is he good enough in between the years? Is he good enough in between the years? And clearly, I don't think he is. I, I think it's just at that point. And then you see you see Foles coming in the game, and it wasn't just all unicorn rainbows. I mean, it wasn't just the greatest thing we've ever seen, and, and Nick Foles is probably not going to be your long-term answer at quarterback. I'm not saying that. But the difference in what we saw between the two quarterbacks, just in terms of decision-making, just in terms of command of the huddle, just in terms of command of the line of scrimmage and being able to make different calls and be confident in what he was doing, uh, just in the difference even between – here's the thing. There was multiple sacks that Trubisky has taken this year where, in my personal opinion, those are sacks that are on him. Those aren't sacks on the offensive line. Those aren't coverage sacks. Those are sacks because Trubisky cannot either – find his way up in the pocket or he's just simply holding the ball too long when he's got, you know, his, his check down option or whatever read it is available that he needs to go to. And then you see a guy like Nick Foles step into the game and the command in the huddle, the command at the line of scrimmage, how confident he was making calls. And you just see a very different persona of a quarterback. I think the other thing that was huge to me was, and it was very evident. And I, I, I would assume that you would agree is just how, Nick Foles understands defensive coverages. It's just that simple. And that's something that Trubisky struggles with constantly. He's fine in man. It's when he gets in these zone, these zone issues where he has all these, all these problems. And I think we saw it multiple times. The two things that really stood out to me was, again, his, his understanding of what the defense was trying to do to him. And then two, standing in the pocket. He's not a mobile guy. We know this. Trubisky's a mobile guy, but we've seen him take multiple sacks that he shouldn't have taken. But you see a guy in Nick Foles who stands in the pocket, is willing to get hit, and still delivers the football. And that game-winning throw that he had is a prime example. He knew going into that play that there was a good chance that he was going to get hit. He knew that he had to deliver a ball to a certain spot. He told Anthony Miller, if this happens, you go to the L. What does Anthony Miller do? He goes to the L. What does Nick Foles do? He takes the hit. I don't know how he got that ball off. I don't know how he got that ball in the end zone, but he takes the hit. He makes the throw. It's a touchdown, and ultimately the Bears win the game. I'm not saying that Nick Foles is a great quarterback. I'm not saying Nick Foles is a good quarterback. What I'm saying is is he's 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 a competent quarterback that has confidence, that understands what he needs to do to be at his best. We saw it in Philadelphia. Uh, honestly, I, at points, even watching him last year in Jacksonville, I saw it in Jacksonville. He wasn't nearly as bad as some people made him out to be, obviously a very different situation. But we saw exactly what Nick Foles can bring to this offense and understanding this offense because he was running a very similar offense in Philadelphia. And we saw what it is to have a competent, confident veteran quarterback that understands things and that can make the throws that need to happen and stand in the pocket. And that's what we saw. I'm not saying that Nick Foles is going to lead this team to the Super Bowl, but I do think we're going to see a different offense. And to me, it was a very welcome change. And again, one that I thought should have happened from week one. Okay, I understand. Luckily, no harm, no foul. And I think that's also important to talk about as well. I think the Bears made the wrong decision, but I don't think it cost them. And I think that's another key thing. But moving forward, this is Nick Foles' team. And and barring an injury, I don't see him giving back this job. I think Trubisky getting pulled out, he's done. I, I think when you made that move, when you did in the middle of a game and seeing the way that he reacted, he's done. Uh, you've made your decision. You cannot go back on that. You know that Trubisky is not mentally built like Nick Foles is. You have made your decision not only for this season, but Trubisky's not going to be a, a bear in 2021. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that. And and I do agree. I think it's going to take an injury to Nick Foles, or he's just going to have to really crap the bed with like one touchdown and, you know, 16, 14 historically bad interceptions. You know what I mean? It, it, it's just going to take something – crazy for Mitch Trubisky to get back in there if it's not an injury I don't see it happening and I think you know you said it along with me this whole offseason we were going to see both quarterbacks at one point well we've seen Mitch and now we're going to see Nick Foles I completely agree on the assessment with Foles I think you know when you look at him he looks a lot more comfortable out there with the offense he looks like a guy who's run this offense for years who can stand in the pocket knows he's going to take a hit and get rid of the football not only you know, on time, but accurate as well. And that play was the perfect example. I did a film breakdown on it today. Same play, one play, two different throws, two different results. And I have to wonder if Trubisky hits his, because if you watch the throw that Trubisky had, the pocket's clean. He's got single coverage across the board. 
he actually reads it well. He makes the right read to go to Anthony Miller. His technique wasn't awful. It wasn't very good. His hips kind of looked a little off balance there. But he makes the throw. He just puts way too much air under it, and it lands five yards in front of Anthony Miller. That's a throw you have to make. If Trubisky makes that throw and it's a touchdown, we're probably talking about Mitchell Trubisky in the week four starter. And I know Matt Nagy wants to point to the interception he threw against Jimmy Graham. But if Trubisky hits that simple throw, and he admitted it, he says, I got to hit that throw. That's a throw you have to make at this level. If he hits his man there, we're, we're probably not talking about this today um, because the Bears would be up 17-16, and I think they still would go on to win that game. But it didn't happen, and that's the biggest difference. Foles made it happen. Trubisky didn't. And when you watch Nick Foles, he processes things. He can read the defense pre-snap. He's got the calls. Like you mentioned in the huddle, he said, hey, we're going to have two looks here. If they give us a blitz, you know, go to the L. And what did Anthony Miller do? He went to the L. And it's just Trubisky, it's, you know, I've always said this. He plays better when he doesn't have to think as much, and he can kind of freestyle and scramble out and make plays like that. But there's also just too many times where he makes stupid plays by either taking a sack or stepping out of bounds a yard short of the first down marker instead of fighting for it, things like that. For him, processing things, it just takes too long for him to be a successful quarterback right now with the Bears. And, you know, I think we're done seeing him, that this is the end of it here. Uh, he will not be a Bear in 2021. He has not done enough to earn a new contract or even the franchise tag. And I'm going to be curious to see what Mitchell Trubisky does in a different offense. He's good at, let's be real, he'll, he'll be picked up by a team, um, probably as a backup to start next year. I was curious to see what he does in another offense and if he finally clicks. But Enough about that. This, this is the Nick Foles era now. It's officially began here in Chicago. And I, I do want to say this, though. I, I, I agree that Foles looked very good. or Not very good, but he looked better than Mitchell Trubisky out there. The offense looked better with him out there. I think, you know, there's a sense from Bears fans that this offense is going to jump into, like, a top five, top ten offense right away. I would say a little bit, you know, calm the expectations. I think the offense is going to be a lot better. I think having the run game is certainly going to help him. I just don't see them making a huge jump to maybe even inside the top 10. It definitely won't be inside the top five. But I do think it will be good enough where they can win some more games down the line and keep themselves in the, in the race for the division and wild card. Yeah, and, that, and that's, that's kind of the important factor here, right? And I, I kind of want to go back and I because I, you, you said, you know, you didn't really think that it was the interception – more than you know him missing that field down the throw and but what I'm curious about is do you think that okay maybe it was that down the field throw right and and him missing Anthony Miller and I still can't believe people made excuses for that throw and blamed it on Anthony Miller there's no excuse there's no I mean Miller has the guy beat by literally three four yards yeah and he still overthrew him by four yards so but 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 here's my question do you think it was one particular play or even the two particular plays, or do you think that it's a culmination of missing that deep throw and that interception in zone coverage because he simply doesn't understand the coverage and the fact that this has been a culmination of an issue that has accumulated over the last two plus years since Matt Nagy has taken over, because I tend to believe that, okay, yeah, he missed the throw. He throws a bad interception. Okay. That's fine. But I think that it's it's just a combination of so many different things, and it finally came to a head where you're two and zero. You've barely won these games because let's just be honest, the offense hasn't quite done its job all the time. The defense hasn't quite been the same. But at the same time, you've also got a guy that you brought in that you you traded a fourth round pick for. You're guaranteeing basically twenty million dollars to, uh, you know. Do you think? that it was just one or two of those plays in that singular game? Or do you think it was more of a culmination of everything? And Matt Nagy finally just said, all right, this dude is not it. I'm tired of this. Let's make the switch now. I definitely think it was a culmination of everything. I think going into that game, if you look at that Falcons defense, I mean, they were literally 31st or 32nd in every, yeah, every major, every major defensive category, including red zone percentage for opposing teams. Like, I don't, I don't know if it was you that put out the stat. Someone put out the stat that it was like only the third time when the Bears got down there in their first two drives, like only the third time a team didn't get a touchdown or didn't get points um, when they got into the Falcons' red zone, which is – that can't happen. So I think it was – you know, Matt Nagy probably went into that game and said, all right, Mitch, we've gotten by 2-0 and with you. 
You know, Mitch really, I think to the first two games, Mitch really didn't do anything that stood out spectacular outside of a couple throws against Detroit. He led the comeback. I don't think he also did anything that was like, you know, just really, really bad. I think he was just kind of just eh. And Matt Nagy doesn't want eh. He wants, you know, really good, and he wants his offense to take the next step. I think Nagy went into that game and said, you know, he's got to put up numbers against this this defense in the first half. And, you know, early on, they moved the ball. They were moving the ball in that first drive, and then it stalled, and they threw short of the sticks on third down. And then they come back down, and they get a field goal, and they, and they throw short of the sticks again on third down. And he just wasn't doing what he needed to do. He missed, what, three deep throws in that first half? And the one that Miller was just really bad. It, you you got to make that throw. So I think it was a mixture of things going into the game. And I also think it was a mixture of things in the game because Nagy said they were really bad on third downs. They were started like one for seven. And if you look at a lot of those third downs, I think they ran the ball once, maybe twice on a third down and didn't get it. Other than that, they were all pass plays and, and, and they just wasn't running their offense at all. I mean, he missed Tricone in the flat wide open. He missed Allen Robinson, passed the sticks wide open a couple times. It was just a vintage, like, okay, Mitch is doing this again type game that we've seen 2018 and 2019. Yeah, and I agree. And I, and I think that's ultimately what this comes down to. It's not that Foles has the higher ceiling and that Foles is a more athletically gifted quarterback. What this is coming down to is we know what Foles can do and we know what Trubisky can do. And it's just – I'm. what I will say is this. I'm very glad – that the Bears made the move because I think there is a good argument that can be made that you you make the decision to go with Trubisky out of the gate, you give him a minimum of four games, kind of like you did with Mike Lennon. Obviously, very different situation because you're looking at a rebuilding team uh, with a rookie quarterback versus you know a team that should be in the mix with a veteran quarterback. Okay, I get that, but it's still a, it's still a decision that frankly the Bears haven't made in the past when it's been obvious to make and and I think that's 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 important and I, and I think the other important aspect of this is obviously Foles is a guy moving forward but I think that the Bears fans should have confidence in what Matt Nagy's doing right now because I think the offense and personally I think the offense has been improved and I think obviously the run game didn't look nearly as good. I thought they did way more inside zone, and I, I still need to go back and watch the All-22. I kind of went back and rewatched the game a little bit, but it felt like they ran a lot more inside zone this time around, which is weird because the first two weeks of the season, uh, they were running more outside zone, and I think they will with Nick Foles. But it felt like the running game was a little little predictable this time around. But I think for the most part, Nagy's done a good job with play calling, and I think that – when you see what they're able to do in moving the ball, it's, it's, it's execute a lot of its execution in terms of getting down and scoring points and not even just field goals, but scoring touchdowns. And that's something that we saw. I mean, even going back to, if you just want to look at the Nick Foles aspect of it, like you said, I mean, it, Alan Robinson had a ball ripped from his hands, whether you want to say it's a bad call or not, if Robinson doesn't have the ball ripped from his hands, that's a touchdown. And then you look at the, the, the pass to Anthony Miller again, if Anthony Miller catches the ball, that's a touchdown. So you, you see that this offense is capable of scoring touchdowns and they're obviously capable of moving the ball a lot better than they have in years past, which is a good thing. But I think that moving forward, Bears fans should be confident that with the right quarterback, and I'm not saying a great quarterback, but with the right quarterback, which I think that Nick Foles has proven that he could be in Philadelphia with the right quarterback. I think that the Bears can at least move towards that average offense. And that's really all that they need. I think they need to pick up probably a little bit more of the slack than maybe they did last year, just because as of right now, the defense doesn't look nearly as good. And I think that a lot of that has to do from the fact that at least in years past, they've been really good against the run and they're really missing any gold. And I don't think there's really any way around that right now. And I, I think because they can't stop the run, it's making everything else, um, you know, not quite as easy to defend. I think they are getting the quarterback a little bit more. Uh, I don't understand, and I will never understand why Khalil Mack is one of the stars in this league, but he never gets a holding call. I mean, Khalil Mack was outstanding. Akeem Hicks was outstanding, but Khalil Mack was outstanding, and it just seems like almost every other play is getting held. And it's not just a, your typical every play getting held kind of thing. It's egregious. But I think when you when you look at this team – Moving forward, you're at 3-0. The Bears have, you know, a win margin of 12 points right now. I mean, they've, they've won, 
you know, all four game or all three games by a total of four points. And I think moving forward, a big key to them getting things figured out is to be scoring points more consistently. And I'm not saying 30 points a game. I'm just simply saying 24 to 27 points, you know, here and there, and occasionally have that, you know, have that game where you're over 30. Okay. But the bears haven't faced good defenses yet. And you know, the Colts are going to be a good test for them, but I think leveling out the offense and getting them to a point where you're not constantly holding your breath when they get close to the red zone or when they get into the scoring positions that they have been where you're thinking, okay, is this going to result in the field goal? Because here's the reality of the situation. And we don't know what's going to happen with Eddie Pinheiro. He's able to come back this week. Cairo Santos can't be trusted outside of outside of 40 yards. I mean, that's been an issue that he's had going back to 2017. He's six for 16 and kicks over 40 yards. So you obviously can't trust that. So you can't even trust getting an automatic field goal in those situations. You need to be able to put points on the board. And as, as we've noticed over this time, when the Bears over – over these three games, when the Bears often scores points, when they score touchdowns, their defense all of a sudden gets a brand-new life, and it's a completely different ballgame. I mean, it's been that situation two weeks in a row now where the Bears' defense has tightened up at the right times. They've either got, you know, got a turnover – uh, with you know key interceptions in week one and in week three, or they just simply made the stops that they need to make. I think if the offense gets going, the running game gets going a little bit more consistently, and the quarterback play is more consistent. Doesn't need to be great. Doesn't even really need to be that good. Just average and just consistent. I think if they can get that, then all of a sudden you're going to see a very different team that isn't winning games in the final seconds of a game or having to come back and that's the other thing with Nick Foles that I think needs to be brought up is Nick Foles is not a guy that's going to get you down in many games and if he gets you down it's going to be by a score it's not going to be by two or three scores and I think that's another important factor to looking at how the Bears have won these games and when you when you evaluate Trubisky versus Foles okay maybe Trubisky could have led that comeback drive in week three but the fact is they were going against an 0-2 team that had multiple injuries on both sides of the ball that was a game that they should have won. If you're a good team, you win that game. Obviously, they won it. But that's a game that you have to have more control over. And there were multiple times where they could have. And things just happened. So, again, not the best 3-0 team out there. Maybe the worst 3-0 team out there. It doesn't really matter. The 3-0. But moving forward, having Nick Foles under center and being able to run this offense properly and understand defenses is going to be huge. Even if it's average play, it's still going to be a big factor. Yeah, yeah, they're three and I just really want to see them play a complete game, and, and I think we will start to see that. Uh, they're going to have to because the schedule does get a lot tougher. But Aaron, as the Bears win, you can also win as well because winning season has returned at my bookie. That's right. All the sports going on. We already talked about the Bears moving to three and zero. The MLB playoffs are going on right now with both the Cubs and Sox in it. The NBA Finals are about to start. Hockey just wrapped up, so you have to wait for that. But college football is also back. And it's the perfect time for you to get in on the action on my bookie. For you listeners here on the Overtime Media Network, we have a special deal for you. Use promo code OVERTIME and you'll double your first deposit. New players will get up to $1,000 in free play on my bookie by using the promo code OVERTIME. This is the best opportunity you'll have right now to double up your money, go make some bets, win you some money here. It's going to be the holiday season pretty soon, so you want a little extra cash in your pocket. Your winning season begins today only at MyBookie. As a very special thing for Bearport listeners, Overtime is going to give um, away $500 in cash to one lucky person who takes advantage of this offer. When you make your first deposit, you take a screen grab of your MyBookie account, email it to overtime at, at advertisecast.com. That's overtime at advertisecast.com. We'll give away $500 at the end of September. Make sure you do that. Get some extra money in your pocket enjoy the sports calendar uh, that we have coming up here in October. Aaron, I want to talk a little bit more about this game before we move on to the Colts preview, because something I kind of noticed in that second half, and maybe even a little bit in the second quarter, Bears pass rush was getting after Matt Ryan. They, they were, they kind of amped it up a little bit and, you know, they should have had the turnover. They had the Mario Edwards um, helmet to helmet hit on Matt Ryan that drew the, the penalty after Cleo Mack was flying off the edge. And to watch that, to watch Khalil Mack and Robert Quinn and Akeem Hicks get to the quarterback while Nichols had a couple pressures, to get to the quarterback and create some pressure, it really threw off the Atlanta Falcons offense in the second half. You could just tell Matt Ryan was not in sync. It was part of their collapse on offense. It was promising for me because I think one of the big things that we were lacking here in these first two games was 
you know, a pass rush. Uh, Khalil Mack has two sacks in the season now, or one and a half, two, something like that. Keem Hicks, I believe, is up to three, three and a half, um, depending on the official stat line. They're finally starting to get pressure. However, a concern for me, though, no Eddie Goldman, and it's kind of been exposed because teams have been able to take advantage up the middle with the Bears' rush defense. I mean, let's be real. The Bears' rush defense has really struggled. Brian Hill went for 35 yards untouched on them on a third down. That can't happen. Moving forward, the Bears will be facing some pretty good rushing attacks. You know, the next couple of weeks they'll have um, Jonathan Taylor, the rookie. They'll have Naheem Hines from the Colts as well. And then you got Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette. Thankfully, they'll probably miss out on facing Christian McCaffrey in a couple of weeks. But then you also have Aaron Jones of the Packers offense coming to town, or, you know, twice in the season. They'll be coming to Chicago one game. It's still, Delvin Cooks is still a pretty damn good running back. And you also have to face Derrick Henry. So I, I think the Bears are going to have to do something to kind of shore up that defense inside. It does not look like they're going to sign Damon Snacks Harrison unless something changes quickly. But they're going to have to rely on guys, you know, get John Jenkins healthy. Hopefully Blau Nichols could take it to the next level. And maybe just try to see if they can, if they can stuff up the, the inside and stop the run. Yeah, I think when you look at the defense, that's the main concern moving forward. I think, again, the defensive backs, for the most part, had good games. Uh, obviously, there was that one. And that's the thing. If you take out that one Ridley play right at the beginning of the game in terms of yardage, just yardage alone, it's like the Bears' defense, passing defense especially, I mean, they gave up – it was basically right around 150 yards to Matt Ryan for the rest of the game. I mean, he was 0 for 8 going in that final drive of the game before he completed, I think it was, what, three passes in a row before he threw the interception, or maybe it was two passes. But that's the thing is the Bears have the ability to get to the passer and shut down the passing game. The issue that I continue to see that concerns me is stopping the run, and that's kind of the issue. You had a team in the Falcons that aren't really that good of a running team. Todd Gurley has not been that good. I mean, we talked about it last week. Uh, he really hasn't been that good. When you let Brian Hill – on a third and what was that a third and five from the 35 yard line when you let brian hill take it in for a touchdown brian hill's not a good running i i don't really you know i don't know how to be much more blunt than that and the fact that they they allowed todd Gurley to have the game that he had it's just one of those situations where they need to figure out something and you know i i just Bilal Nichols is a good defensive lineman. He's not a nose tackle. He's not big enough to be a nose tackle. He's probably their – I would argue that he's probably their smallest defensive – starting defensive lineman right now. And, you know, obviously you don't want to put a Keen Hicks at that position. But what I'm noticing is it's not just the defensive line. It's also the linebacking situation, namely Danny Trevathan, where – I mean, dude, Trevathan just still doesn't look good. I mean, his snap count went up substantially this week, and he was still getting exposed against both the run – and, of course, the pass. And it's just a situation where they've got to get this figured out because the Bears' defense over the last two years, when you look at 2018 and 2019, especially 2018, one of the main reasons that they were so good was they were able to stop the run. If you go back to that Rams game where the Rams were just running over everybody and that offense was unstoppable, the reason that the Bears were able to stop that offense was because they were able to stop the run in Todd Gurley. Todd Gurley had one of his worst games over that stretch against the Bears and it was the same thing with the way that they were able to beat the Minnesota Vikings was especially in that primetime game that big primetime game back in 2018 was because they were able to stop the run of Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook is a huge part of that offense and again when you allow the run game to get going it puts pressure in so many different areas to where it's just completely unneeded and it's just a situation where again I don't and I don't know the answer because obviously the Bears are really missing Eddie Goldman uh, John Jenkins was probably the only semblance of a true nose tackle that they had. And obviously he's got a hand issue and he's going to be gone, I would guess, for longer than three weeks. And they signed Daniel McCullers to the practice squad. Maybe they call him up this week to, to get a little bit of extra, you know, help there. But again, I mean, McCullers is a guy, he's, he's six, seven, 350 some odd pounds. But there's a reason that he was on the Steelers practice squad. There's a reason that he's never really been a big player. He's just not that good of a player. I mean, could he develop into something? Sure. Jay Rogers is a great defensive line coach. But I think that moving forward defensively, especially with the issues that they're having with Danny Trevathan in the middle, you've got to figure something out. You've got, because they, they have been getting blown off the line so much that it's just, it, it's mind blowing at times where you, it looks like, 
if they hold up the point of attack, it looks like they have the, you know, these runs shut down for, you know, maybe a one, one yard gain, if not, you know, no yards, or maybe even a loss. And then all of a sudden this gaping hole opens up out of nowhere. And then next thing you know, this guy's getting, you know, the whatever running back it is, is getting seven to 10 yards. And it's just something that we haven't been accustomed to seeing with the bears over the last few years. And it's just, it's something that they need to get fixed. Obviously Goldman's not coming back. Jenkins isn't coming back anytime soon. I think they need an outside addition. I don't know what that would be. I don't know if they're going to make that move, but especially going against the Colts, man. I mean, you're talking about one of the best offensive lines in football uh, between pass protection, between, uh, you know, running the ball. It doesn't matter who's back there. I know you mentioned Jonathan Taylor and Naheem Hines and, you know, they have different guys, Marlon Mack went on the IR, but they have different guys back there, but it doesn't really matter who's running behind that line because their line has been so dominant. And that's a really, to me, that's a big concern moving into week four and being able to control a Colts offense that really isn't that good and has won two out of the, well, the only two games that they won. They field goal both teams to death. I mean, if you go back and you look at that game last week, it was a blowout. I'm not taking anything away from the Colts because the Colts are a good team, but they field goal that team to death, just like they did the same exact thing to the Vikings. So it's a situation where you do not want to allow them to control the clock. You do not want to allow them to have their way in the run game and allow uh, Philip Rivers, who's absolutely a shell of himself. I mean, he's still not a bad quarterback by any means, but he's not nearly the Philip Rivers that we saw a few years ago. You cannot allow him to sit back in the pocket and be able to do what he wants and do what he wants in favorable situations. So, yeah, I mean, the run game is a big concern. I think the defense as a whole is still playing pretty well. And I think they seem to tighten up towards the end of the game. But again, if they can't stop the run, um, there's not going to be a ton of improvement to be had. And it's ultimately going to end up hurting the passing game more and more as the season moves forward. Yeah, that's all very good points. And and the Bears are going to have to step it up because there there are some really good rushing attacks they're going to be facing as the schedule goes on. And we saw Rivers last year. I mean, he's not a guy that – you know, is going to go out there and throw 300, 400 yards on you consistently and, and beat you. The, the Colts are going to try to run the football and try to run it down the Bears' throat and make them stop the run. Can the Bears do that? We'll see. Uh, Aaron, I think it's a good time. Let's get into our interview. We had uh, Kevin Hickey on from the Colts Wire to provide some insight on the Indianapolis Colts and how he thinks the Colts can win the game, how he thinks the Bears can win the game his prediction, and a couple of his X factors as well. We'll be right back after the interview to kind of wrap things up and give our predictions. The Old West is an iconic period of American history. I'm Chris Wimmer. Join me on the Legends of the Old West podcast to hear the true stories of lawmen like Wyatt Earp, Bass Reeves, and the Texas Rangers, outlaws like Jesse James and Butch and Sundance, and Native American battles of the Lakota, Comanche, and Apache. We use cinematic storytelling and sound design to bring these stories and many more to life. Subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening now. Welcome in back to the Bear Report Podcast. We are joined by a very special guest. We have Kevin Hickey here, uh, the editor of the Colts Wire. He does some good work over there covering the Colts as well as the New York Giants. But we're here to get his thoughts on the Colts, who are the Bears' week four opponent. They are coming to Soldier Field. At 2-1, and one, the Bears are obviously 3-0. and oh. And, Kevin, thank you for joining me. And first off, let me ask, how are the Colts looking so far through the first three weeks? Yeah, thanks for, uh, thanks for having me. I appreciate you reaching out. Um, you know, they're looking, they're looking much better now. There was a little bit of a scare in week one. Uh, they were heavy favorites against the Jaguars, even though they were on the road. But uh, they wind up dropping that game. And, you know, it's kind of like, you know, here we go again with the Colts. It was, I think, their – seventh opening week loss they haven't won an opening week game since like 2013 so it was kind of like you know this isn't the greatest start to the season especially against the Jaguars team who people thought you know are probably going to compete for the number one pick but uh you know they rebound at home against the Vikings they shut down Kirk Cousins they basically shut down Dalvin Cook and Adam Thielen so the defense really shows up and then they do it again against the Jets who we know no you know they're not good they're probably they probably are competing for the number one pick. So, you know, the competition hasn't been all that great, but they've dominated the competition for the most part, which is very encouraging. So now that you're kind of getting into the the meat of the schedule, and you know, you got the you got to be on the road to the Bears. So they're looking much better uh, entering Week Four than they did say two weeks ago after the loss to the Jags. 
Yeah, and looking, you know, the, that was a really surprising game and, and finish um, in week one because I thought the culture was going to roll all over the Jaguars. What kind of happened in that game? Because, like you said, the last two games, I mean, they've dominated. They, you know, the Jets are the Jets. You should dominate that game. And the Vikings are actually turning out to be a lot worse than a lot of people thought of. But, you know, what did they do specifically that went wrong, I'd say, in that Jaguars game? There were a lot of things, and I'll, I'll, I agree with you. I was very surprised. I mean, I had the I had the Colts as pretty uh, pretty big winners in kind of the predictions piece and everything. Um, but to me, it came down to they didn't really get a lot of pressure on Gardner Minshew. The Jaguars really emphasized the quick passing game um, that helped them out a lot. But they also had a lot of miscommunication in the secondary. Uh, they had Xavier Rhodes uh, starting on the boundary. He had a couple mishaps. Um, you know, I think there was one, uh, it was, they were, they were running man coverage. I think it was like a cover one or a man free. He has a deep third. And instead of carrying his receiver uh, across the field on a crosser, uh, he, he kind of sits back in his own. So they wind up getting the game winning touchdown on that. So, you, you know, you got new guys that were kind of in, in the system. They didn't have an off season to really get ready for the, uh, for the opener. Um, so that's, that kind of had a lot to do with it. Then they kind of got away from their bread and butter in terms of what they want to do offensively. You know, they're, even though they, they signed Phillip Rivers, they're not a team that wants to throw 40 times a game. Uh, Rivers wound up, I think, having 46 attempts. They kind of bailed on the run game, even though it was a neutral game script the entire time. So they, they got away from the run game, even with Marlon Mack out. Um, they didn't really run the ball as much as they should have because when you have an offensive line like that, when you have uh, the blocking schemes that they have and the capabilities they have in the run game, that should be what you're trying to do, especially in neutral game scripts. You know, when you're down a score or you're up a score, they need to be running the ball. So they kind of got away from that. And then the miscommunications in the secondary is probably what was the biggest cause of them dropping that first game. Yeah, and sticking with that defense, um, you know, you know Justin Houston, you know Darius Leonard, and, and Malik Hooker's now on IR. Who are some other guys on that defense that maybe have played well this season, or maybe there are some concerns? I know you mentioned the miscommunication in the secondary. Could you touch a little bit more on that part? Yeah, so uh, their big acquisition of the offseason was defensive tackle DeForest Buckner. He works at the three technique. Um, he's really the guy that they they wanted that kind of player who can – be that disruptor on the interior. You know, they've had decent edge rushers, you know, over the last couple of years since Chris Ballard took over, but they haven't had that dominating, commanding presence on the interior that's going to cause uh, opposing offensive lines to kind of force all of their attention to one player. Um, so they have that now in Buckner. He's, I think he has something like 10 pressures to open the season. I think that's from pro football focus. So He's the guy that the Bears are obviously going to have to keep their eye on. They're going to have to double-team him a decent amount during the game. Um, another guy you're, they're going to have to look forward to uh, facing is Kenny Moore. He's a slot cornerback. Uh, he's, a, he's a ball hawk. I mean, he makes plays on the ball. He can play in press. He can play in zone. He can carry guys up the field. And then the Colts like to use him occasionally on nickel blitzes. So he's a versatile guy that, that the Bears are really going to have to account for. Um, and then, yeah, you talk about the guys that really need to step up. Xavier Rhodes looked, has looked good the past two weeks, but he needs to kind of keep that going. We know the past couple of years haven't really been all that kind to him, um, whether he's dealing with injuries or just bad play. So he's looked good, but uh, he has to keep it going. So obviously the Bears are going to start Nick Foles. It won't be Mitchell Trubisky. Uh, Mitchell Trubisky is a little bit more mobile than Nick Foles, but how do you think this Colts defense will kind of game plan for Nick Foles and uh, maybe try to attack him um, going into Sunday's game? Yeah, so it's, it's kind of interesting because we know uh, from Foles' past and from Frank Reich's past, they, they have a very rich history. Uh, they were both with the Eagles when they won the Super Bowl. They're both very fond of each other. Uh, Reich had a lot of praise for Nick Foles uh, on yesterday, on Monday, when he was talking to the media. Um, he absolutely loves Foles. He loves his talent um, and the kind of guy that he is. So the Colts kind of have an advantage there where Reich knows more than most what uh, Foles' strengths, what his weaknesses are. 
but I would, I would be honest. I'm, I think they're just going to stick to their game plan. You know, when their defense is thriving, they're able to rush four. They don't have to blitz a lot. Um, they're getting pressure from Justin Houston, from DeForest Buckner, you know, a guy that's kind of been an, an unsung hero through the first three weeks of the season is Danico Autry. He's slid over from defensive tackle to defensive end. Uh, so when you talk about their game plan, they're going to try to rush for, they're going to try to get pressure on Foles. Um, they're they're going to want him to uh, throw into the teeth of the defense when they can just drop seven. So they're a zone heavy team. They're, they're not a team that's going to be giving you these all, all these exotic looks. They're primarily, you know, two high safeties. They'll go to the cover three. Uh, they'll, they'll throw in the occasional, you know, cover one, cover one robber. So when you talk about their game plan, it's very straightforward. It's all about execution. It's all about communication. So they're going to try to rush with four. They're going to try to get pressure on every play. And then they're just going to hope that their, uh, their zone scheme can put the guys in the right position to make plays on the ball. And switching over to the offense, obviously a new quarterback this year in Phillip Rivers, a long time. Um, Los Angeles and San Diego Charger quarterback. We saw Rivers last year in Chicago. And it was a weird game because, you know, I respect Rivers. I've known what he's done in the past, but it just felt like, man, he was, you know, he had some lame duck passes. He did not look like himself. It kind of looked like the arm was given out. And somehow, you know, he led the Chargers to a win after two Mitchell Trubisky turnovers. How has Rivers looked this year? And I know, um, are they kind of trying to, you know, have the run game help him out a lot more where he doesn't have to make these big throws to win games? Or is it kind of been the other way around? Yeah, so I, and I would definitely agree. I think kind of when uh, the offseason started and we knew the Colts were going to have to go after a quarterback, whether that was in free agency, whether that was in the draft, they wound up doing both. But going into the offseason, you know, Rivers' name is really coming up with the Colts. You know, he's a potential target because Frank Reich was his OC and quarterbacks coach back in San Diego in 2014. Um, so you start kind of watching the tape and you start watching what, you know, what does Rivers really have left? And I, when I watched the tape, I did agree. You know, I, I felt he started to lose a little bit of his arm strength. Uh, we, we know Rivers is the kind of gunslinger mentality, right? He's going to try to force balls into tight windows. He's going to get the ball to his playmakers as much as he can. So when you look at his numbers, they weren't great last year. So there was some questions as, you know, is Rivers done? Can he really be a guy that is going to lead the offense down the field? Can they put the game on his shoulders? And I think what the Colts have said and what they have shown through the first three weeks is they don't want to put the game on his shoulders. They don't want to go into the game saying, hey, you know, we need you to be Patrick Mahomes. We need you to win this game with your arm. That's just not the way it's going to happen. It's not the game plan that the Colts want. It's not the personnel that the Colts have. They can't do that. So what they're going to do is they are going to win with physicality on the offensive line. They're going to try to win with the run game. And then when Rivers needs to make a play with his arm, they'll do it. They, they have confidence in him that he can make the plays, but they don't want to have to put all of that on his shoulders. So when you're talking about what the Bears need to look for in terms of game plan, the Colts are going to try to run the ball. They're going to try to establish the run. They're going to try to control the tempo with Jonathan Taylor and Naeem Hines, and they'll probably put in Jordan Wilkins in there a little bit. Um, but Rivers has looked good. He's looked great in that role kind of, I hate to say game manager because it get it has such a negative connotation, but if we're being honest, that's kind of what he is. Um, they don't want to put the game on his shoulders. They don't want him to have to, to have to force plays. So they're going to try to control the tempo and control the line of scrimmage with the run game. And then if they need to take shots, they know he has the capability to still do that. So then they'll try to mix that in here and there. Speaking of that run game, I love Jonathan Taylor as a prospect coming out of Wisconsin and, you know, while a lot of people say you don't really want to take a running back in the top 10, top 15, first round is even um, sometimes questionable. He fell number 41 overall uh, as a second round pick. And I thought he was a great fit for the Colts. How has he looked so far this year through the first three games? He's looked good. Um, you know, I don't think he really was. When they had Marlon Mack healthy, he, uh, he tore his Achilles in the first game. I think it was in the second quarter. Uh, I don't I don't know if they really had a plan to use him all that much to begin the season. But when you talk about what he brings to the table, uh, the, the sky's the limit. I mean, when you talk about his athleticism, when you talk about the vision that he has, when you talk about the kind of explosiveness that he brings, whether it's 
in the passing game. I, I would say he's probably underrated as a pass catcher. I think he kind of got a little bit of slack during the pre-draft process. Guys, were just, uh, you know, analysts were saying he can't really catch the ball. He's not a pass catcher. He's a, he's a two-down thumper. But he's looked great, man. He's, he, uh, he's had some questions with his vision. You know, there were a couple holes in, you know, on Sunday against the Jets where instead of hitting that hole hard, he kind of waits a little bit and then it's too late and the hole closes up. But you really can't have any complaints about what Jonathan Taylor has done. So when you talk about they have a limited offseason, uh, he has basically no prior work with the offensive line, with the blocking schemes, with the pass protection schemes. When you consider all of that, you know, then you realize this guy's going to be great. He's going to be awesome. So he had his first 100-yard game against the Vikings, which really, you know, that isn't really saying much. The Vikings defense is a shell of what it used to be. But when he gets going, man, he's he's great. So the Colts are definitely going to try to ride him. They they think he can be a three-down back. They think he can be a bell cow. Whether they use him like that offseason remains to be seen. They like the committee approach. They like to get Naeem Hines, who is the pass catcher out of the backfield. They like to get him involved. but I like what I've seen from Taylor. Um, you know, once he gets used to the speed of the NFL, gets used to the blocking schemes, he's going to be very difficult to stop. Outside of Taylor and T.Y. Hilton, who should the Bears defense be looking at um, on the Colts offense as a weapon or, or serious threat? Two weeks ago, I probably would have said Paris Campbell. An MCL and PCL injury in week two. So he's probably done for the season. He's going to have surgery, but they're not really sure what his status is down the line. Then I would have said, you know, rookie wide receiver, Michael Pittman Jr., but he had uh, compartment leg syndrome after the game on Sunday against the Jets, and he had to go into surgery that night uh, to relieve the pressure out of his leg. Yeah, so – and that could have been bad if they didn't didn't address it when they did. So he's going to be out probably at least until they're by – so the, the Colts are pretty thin. They're pretty thin on the offensive side in terms of skill players. But the guys I would look probably forward to, you have wide receiver Zach Pascal. Uh, he actually led the team in receiving yards last year. T.Y. Hilton only played 10 games. But Pascal's a great role guy. He's not a burner. He's not going to take the top off of a defense. But he's a great possession receiver. He's going to work the intermediate to short routes. Um, they like to use him on crossers and on, on in routes. Um, and then another guy, which is kind of fun for, you know, us who are covering the Colts and, you know, for the Colts fans, tight end Mo Alley-Cox. Uh, the guy is six foot six, 260 pounds, uh, just an athlete. And he's such a mismatch because the linebackers are too slow for him. The safeties are too small for him. So when you talk about what they want to do as a game plan, when you run the ball, they, when, they, when they start throwing the ball, they're, they're going to be targeting Mo Alley-Cox. So he's a guy that's kind of emerging into a much bigger role. Uh, he, I think he's actually leading the team in receiving yards right now. So because he had a 100-yard game in, in week two against the Vikings, that was kind of his coming out party. And then uh, he had 50 yards and a touchdown last week. So Mo Alley-Cox is definitely kind of one of the guys that you're going to be looking for. And then I've said his name a couple times, Naeem Hines. Uh, he's a pass catcher. Uh, third year back, uh, very elusive in the open field. He's, a, he's, a, he's great with the ball in his hands in open space. He's their punt returner too. So uh, those are kind of the guys they're going to need to be looking for outside of, of T.Y. Hilton and Jonathan Taylor. And when you look at the Bears, I mean, you know the names on their defense, Khalil Mack, Robert Quinn, Akeem Hicks, um, Roquan Smith, Danger Trevathan up front, and their secondary is loaded as well. How can the Colts kind of limit Khalil Mack and maybe limit Robert Quinn or Akeem Hicks? And, you know, week one, the Bears kind of struggled to get pressure on Matthew Stafford. But every week that we've gone on, they have really started to up the pressure. And and Mack is right up there at the top of the league with pressures. What will the Colts have to do to kind of slow them down or neutralize them in this game? Probably pray. I mean, (laughs) I mean, you talk about the, the Colts have one of the best offensive lines in the NFL. It's, it's, there's really no debate in that, but, when you talk about the task ahead of Braden Smith, who's the right tackle, you're going to have to help him out. You're going to have to slide protection to Khalil Mack because it's, he's just a beast. You can't stop him. So they're going to have to chip. They're probably going to have to use uh, Jack Doyle and Mo Alley-Cox to help kind of double uh, Mack. You know, maybe they 
they provide a chip and then leak out for a short route, but it's going to be really hard. They're also going to have to depend on Quentin Nelson. He's really going to have to lock down uh, Akeem Hicks. Uh, he, you know, he, he looked, he looked like himself for the most part this season, but he, you know, he had a couple of uh, plays last week against Quentin Williams where Williams just got inside to his chest and pushed him all the way back into the backfield. He can't have that against Akeem Hicks. So it's, in terms of their game plan, you're going to have to chip. You're going to have to find ways to get the ball out of uh, Philip Rivers' hands quickly, and and that's kind of what they want to do. They're not a they're not a deep vertical team. They will take shots, but they want to work the horizontal game. And then as as for the run game, they're an inside zone team. Um, they they will they're they're pretty versatile in terms of you know they'll do some gap blocking. They'll do outside zone, but they're just going to have to make sure that they are clean with their blocks that they're engaging and they're driving through the defender. And then Jonathan Taylor, uh, I know we talked about him a little earlier, but one of his things is he's, he needs to focus on when he sees that hole, he hits the hole. Sometimes it takes too long. The hole closes up and then he's done. You know, it's a two yard gain or he's caught in the backfield. So going against this bears front seven is probably the most difficult test that the Colts have had so far. Um, It's going to, that's kind of going to be the matchup to watch. That's, for me, that's going to be what turns the tide. You know, can the Colts give Phillip Rivers enough time in the pocket, which they've done, you know, the whole season. They've been great in pass protection. But now you're going, up, you're going up against one of the best defenses in the NFL, one of the best pass rushers in the NFL. So, that's for me, that's going to be the biggest matchup. And it'll be interesting to see how they do it. But I would expect a lot of chips, a lot of help from the tight end. And to kind of wrap things up here, uh, we ask all of our guests, Give us a prediction for Sunday uh, score that maybe an X factor. Yeah, this is really tough for me. And I was actually, I was thinking about this, you know, when you asked me to, to come on and uh, I don't, I don't really know how it's going to unfold. Um, I think the Colts defense has played well enough to where they could get the win, but man, this defense is just, because if, if they stop the run and they force Philip Rivers to throw a lot, it's going to be, it might be a little tough for, for the Colts to score points. But I think when you combine the fact that Frank Reich knows what Nick Foles wants to do, um, they're getting a couple guys healthy back. I think Rocky Sin, who's a starting cornerback on the boundary, he's supposed to return. They're on the road. They're slight favorite. I, I'll, I'll probably go with the Colts. But barely. I mean, like very barely. It's going to be a very close game, in my opinion. Um, but the X factor to me, it's going to be Nick Foles. Which Nick Foles are you going to get? Are you going to get the guy that took the Eagles to the Super Bowl? Are you going to get the guy that uh, that helped the, the Bears come back last week against the Falcons? Or are you going to kind of get the guy that brings a lot of question marks with him? So Foles, to me, is the, the X factor. If he winds up playing like he did last week or like he did with the Eagles, I think the Bears probably come out with a win. But – uh, the Colts are playing well enough, so I think I'm going to have to roll with them. I think it's going to be a very close game as well, and one of my X factors uh, will be Nick Foles. I'm just, you know, looking at this matchup, and the Bears have kind of struggled to stop the run. They're really missing Eddie Goldman, who opted out, and Detroit was able to run on them. Uh, the Giants really didn't have Barkley for most of the game, and the Falcons, you know, they ran on him a little bit in the first half before completely melting down. So, that's going to be, you know, my biggest thing to watch uh, in this game. Kevin, thank you so much for joining us. Where can um, all of our listeners follow you on Twitter and read your work at? Yeah, of course. So uh, I, I appreciate you bringing me on. I, I had a blast. So thank you for that. Um, on Twitter, you can find me at, at Kevin Hickey 11 uh, at the Colts wire is the Colts wires uh, Twitter handle, but uh, then you can just find us at coltswire.usatoday.com. Awesome. Thanks again, man. And we'll have to talk soon. I appreciate it. Thank you. And Aaron, it's now time again to our predictions and what we're going to watch for here, this Colts-Bears game. The Colts are coming to town. They're 2-1. and one. Uh, Really, you know, they had that disappointing week one game against the Jaguars where kind of everything went wrong. They were the favorites going into that game. Week one is always tricky. Um, but as you mentioned, they pretty much field goal to death the Minnesota Vikings. And last week, you know, the Jets are the Jets. So you can't really expect much from them. The Colts are an interesting team, though. You know, you talked about it. Phillip Rivers, he's, he's at the point where he's a good quarterback, but he's not that gunslinging quarterback he was when he was with, you know, San Diego and now the Los Angeles Chargers. Um, and, and instead, the Colts are going to rely on that run game. They have a really good offensive line. 
Quentin Nelson leads that up front. He's probably arguably the best offensive lineman in football right now, at least on the interior. And they're going to they're gonna attack the Bears on the ground, try to set up some easy throws for Rivers, try to get the ball out quick. And that's something that we saw Matthew Stafford do week one, not letting the Bears pass rush get there. The ball was coming out quick. It was accurate. It was going to receivers. I think the Colts are going to kind of take a similar route to that. And then, and then flipping over on defense for me, I'm, you know, I'm looking. The Colts have a couple of injuries in the secondary. Malik Hooker is on IR. Xavier Rhodes has been, you know, not very good. Looks like Rocky Sin will come back, um, the defensive back for the Colts. But then they have a pass rush, man. DeForest Buckner is, is no joke. He's, he's one of the better pass rushers in this league, came over from San Francisco. And um, they also have Justin Houston, too. So the Bears offensive line is going to have to really step up as well. What are kind of things you're watching for in this game? Well, I, I think it's, it's definitely an interesting matchup because you go from a team in the Falcons who have a really bad defense and a really high-powered offense to a Colts team that's a very good all-around team, but they don't have a very impressive offense. You know, And, and I think that's going to be a very interesting battle to watch the, the Bears' defensive line against the Colts' offensive line and, and vice versa, really, because, I mean, the, the Colts have a good defense. They have a good front. Uh, front seven so you know it's going to be a battle of the fronts and again I think the big factor for me is going to be time of possession because neither one of these teams are overly you know pass first teams they both have good reliable defenses so it's going to be about controlling the clock and, and and being able to basically keep the defense whatever team that may be off the field and keep the offense out on the field, control the clock. And, you know, for the Bears, I think, again, it's going to come down to converting those field goal opportunities and the touchdown opportunities and actually making that happen. I mean, this is, this is definitely going to be their toughest game for sure. Uh, it's, a, it's a weird matchup, and I, I, I don't really know how to feel about it. I'll be completely honest. I think it's going to be a close game. I don't think it's going to be one of those games where even if Trubisky was playing, I don't think it's going to be one of those games where one team's going to run away with it. I know, you know, you can look at the Colts scores over the last few weeks and it looks like they've blown, you know, they've blown some teams out. And I'm also not going to sit here and say, well, they played really bad teams because, yeah, well, the Bears have too. And at least, you know, the Colts have, have taken care of business. But the reality is the Colts are two and one. The Bears are three now. Uh, they're built pretty similarly in my mind. Um, I, I think, you know, at least the offensive line for the Colts is definitely better than the Bears uh, offensive line. But I think overall they're built pretty similarly, and I think the big key is going to be forcing Phillip Rivers to win the game because the Bears usually play well against Phillip Rivers. And I think shutting down the run and forcing Rivers to have to win the game on his own I think is going to be the best defensive game plan for the Bears. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm not as confident as I was before the season started. I thought this would be another big win for the Bears going to week four, but I'm not counting them out yet. Um, but to get to 4-0, that would be huge, especially with Green Bay having Atlanta on the schedule. Uh, you kind of want to keep pace with them and keep pace in, in, in the NFC. Uh, let's get into our prediction X Factor. I'll go first this week, Aaron. Um, I'm going to pick the Bears to lose this game. I, I think Nick Foles will play well. I just think the Colts are, are a good team on the rise, and, the, and they're going to attack pretty much the Bears' weakness, which is their rush defense right now. And, and I think the Bears will have a hard time stopping the rookie um, Jonathan Taylor I'm gonna go I think it'll be close I'm gonna go something like 22 20 Colts um, I, I think they'll get a, some late points at the end of that game to 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 win it for them um, you know my x factor for the Bears if they are gonna win they're gonna have to stop the run and I just want to see this team play a complete game yeah I'm right there with you I mean this is definitely this is a tough game to call. I mean, there's just – there's no way around that. Um, I think for my X factor, I'm going to go ahead and, again, I'm going to go with the Bears' defensive line uh, against the Colts' offensive line, and I'll make this one a little bit more broad. I think it comes down to, obviously, stopping the run as well as getting after Phillip Rivers because, again, Phillip Rivers isn't the same quarterback. And and I think being able to get pressure on him and the Colts have not given up many sacks at all because they have such a good offensive line, I think that will be – the battle of the trenches will be where that game is won and lost, especially on the defense side of the ball for the Bears. Again, I've gone back and forth multiple times on this game. Uh, originally, when the season started, or before the season started, I actually had the Bears losing this game. I had them basically going 3-0 and and then losing their next two and then getting another win after that uh, against Carolina. I just – I don't know, man. I have this weird feeling. I, I, I feel like even though the Bears really haven't played that well, I think 
you know, not that Nick Foles is the missing answer long term, but I do think that he's going to kind of write the ship a little bit with the offense enough to where even if it's, you know, converting one of those field goal opportunities into a touchdown, I mean, that's a four point swing right there. And, and I think that that could be enough in this game. So I'm going to go 24, 20 bears, uh, you know, keep up the, the tradition of winning by four points. Again, I'm not overly confident in that, but I just I just have this sneaking feeling that the Bears are going to show up and look better. And, you know, at least with this kind of, you know, if they win by four points this time around, you can at least look at it and say, well, they beat a team that was two and one and, and on a pretty good roll. But I do think this is going to be a close game. I don't think that this is going to come down to the, you know, final drive of the game where the Bears need to score or they need to hold them off. I just think it's going to be one of those games where it's going to be close all the way around and the Bears will – gain control at some point and then won't let up yeah i hope i'm wrong i hope you're right in this case i'd love for the bears to be four and oh we'll see though aaron where can everyone follow you on twitter at yep you can find me at aaron lemming nfl and you can read my work on the yes and you can follow me on twitter at zach z-a-c-k underscore pearson you can follow the bear report on twitter at just bear report and you can read my work on thebearreport.com. We'll have complete pregame and postgame coverage of week four as the Bears host the Indianapolis Colts. And we'll be back next week with a brand new episode. Until then, everyone stay safe. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.